Hi, it's NPR's Book of the Day. Tara Westover's memoir, Educated, is out now in paperback. If you don't remember, this book was a big deal when it came out in 2018. It's about her experience growing up in an abusive Mormon survivalist family, then escaping that world to go into higher education, from the Mormon Brigham Young University to Cambridge to Harvard. The book became a bestseller, ending up on all the year-end lists, and nobody was more surprised about the book blowing up than Tara herself. When Here and Now's Robin Young caught up with her, she was still adjusting to being in the spotlight, and she said something that speaks to our seemingly endless debates about so-called cancel culture and freedom of expression on college campuses. She said that by way of her upbringing, she's held racist, sexist, homophobic views, But she was only able to challenge those views by speaking them out loud, something she felt more comfortable doing at BYU than at Cambridge or Harvard. This message comes from NPR sponsor Sun & Ski Sports. They're celebrating National Bike Month in May with a big giveaway. Enter in-store to win a Cannondale Trail mountain bike or online to win a Haro Flightline 1 mountain bike. Cycling isn't just transportation. It's a boost for physical and mental health. Join them for Bike to Work Week from May 13th to 19th. Make every ride count this National Bike Month. Gear up at Sun and Ski Sports, where adventure begins. Visit sunandski.com. Harvard. So, have you read the best books of 2018? Well, one that is on most lists, including that of Time Magazine, Bill Gates, and the Obamas, is Tara Westover's Educated, her memoir of growing up in and ultimately leaving behind an extreme survivalist Mormon family in Idaho. Recently, some of the most educated and powerful women in Boston gathered to hear her speak about it. They arrived in the marbled atrium foyer of the sprawling home of John and Linda Henry, he the owner of the Red Sox and the Boston Globe, she managing director of the Globe, and someone who's earned tremendous respect for bringing people together around ideas, including in these occasional home salons featuring remarkable women. It's a one-course meal, and then we do standing dessert. Oh, wonderful. Tara and Linda huddled in a nearby room, noting the woman who brought them together, a previous speaker, Tiger Mom Amy Chua. Here's Tara first, then Linda. She gave us a lot of support at a time when they really mattered. She's fearless. She's a fearless, smart woman. (laughs) The same can be said of Tara Westover. Her mentally ill father railed about the end times. She and her siblings had no friends, no schooling at all. Everyone suffered terrible injuries in Dad's junkyard. No medical treatment was allowed. One brother beat her, called her a whore, while her mother looked the other way. Another brother encouraged her to get out. She did. She taught herself algebra, aced the entrance exams, and went from Brigham Young University to England's Cambridge to Harvard. It's all in her best-selling book, Educated. And uh, not only is it um, the top 10 books on uh, New York Times recommended for 2018, it was the most borrowed book from U.S. libraries this year. So when she teaches herself how to do something, she's, uh, she's pretty damn good at it. So welcome, Tara. Before Linda and Tara speak, every woman in the room introduces herself. There are college presidents, hospital CEOs, lawmakers, other authors like Amy Cuddy, who asked Tara how she had the guts to write about people she's estranged from. When we sat down afterwards for our talk, I asked Tara her thoughts on these women listening to her. Yeah, I mean, it's 
It's really surreal. It's very strange. I would say it's intimidating, but I'm not sure intimidating quite covers it. Um, <laughs> it does really surprise me when someone like that finds anything that I have to say useful at all. It was more than finding it useful. They were hanging on your every word. Was there a part of you saying, you know, maybe if I hadn't had pretty much no schooling when I was young, maybe I would be doing that? Or- you know, I never really think about counterfactuals. And people have asked me, would I really want to, if I could, would I just want to go back and have a, lived a different life and gone with, been born to normal parents and gone to school? And I kind of feel like to wish that in a way would be to wish myself out of existence. And there were things that were hard about my life. There were moments I didn't know if I was going to be okay, uh, but I was okay. And, and now I, I think to, to wish I, I had a totally different life would just be to almost wish I didn't exist. I, you know, it was a different kind of life. It was it was entirely different, I guess, than, than what a lot of people had. And often abusive, you know, your head shoved in a toilet, a violent, abusive brother. Did you think that happened to everybody? I do think that whatever life we have becomes normalized to us because it's the only one we have. And I mean, I, I saw a film, I don't, can't even remember which one, when I was 16 at my grandmother's house. And I remember afterwards... Uh, asking myself, you know, I wonder if my relationship with my brother is abusive because it had some of those elements to it. And I, I decided it wasn't because this person that I'd seen in this movie was just this kind of, you know, wife beater wearing alcohol soaked man who ranted all the time and had no redeeming features. And I just, my brother Sean wasn't like that, even though he would crack my wrist and even though he would call me a whore and drag me through the house by my hair and shove my head in the toilet, I still thought, well, this isn't an abusive relationship because he is a good person and he sometimes is really loving and caring and so everything is fine. And one of the things I wanted to communicate a little bit by telling the story was to help people understand uh, something that took me a long time to understand, which is that people are incredibly complicated and if someone was only violent, uh, it wouldn't be so hard to walk away. Talk about the journey that you went on another brother got out. Was that the first you even understood that maybe you could? Well, when I, my older brother Tyler went to college, I thought he'd kind of joined the Illuminati, you know, and I, I didn't experience it in a good way. I, I thought very much that he was going off to be brainwashed and kind of by the enemy, I guess. And then when I was 16, he came home and just wanted me to get out. You end up at Brigham Young University with these huge gaps in your knowledge. You raised your hand in a class and asked, what's the Holocaust? Had no idea, no understanding at all of civil rights. Can you tell the story of what happened when you heard about Rosa Parks? Yeah, I mean, the professor, I'd heard about slavery, but I'd never heard of the civil rights movement. And then the professor starts telling the story about this woman who had been arrested for taking a seat on a bus. The only way that I could understand it, I guess, I, I just assumed that she had stolen the seat. Like, take a seat, or to take the seat. It never would have occurred to me that, that there would have been a time in our country where you could get, you know, arrested for sitting down because you looked the wrong way. Does that still happen where you'll hear something and realize you just didn't know what it was? Um, I, a couple of weeks ago, I learned who Tupac was. <laughs> Tupac so, <yes>. Shakur? <laughs> I'm not, I, I can't say that I know very much about pop culture in general. I'm really woefully ignorant of, but I, yeah. So what do you think it tells us about education that... You've done so well, and as a child, you didn't have one. You know, it's a sample size of one, so it's kind of hard to say, but I feel like even though, you know, my parents didn't do a lot by way of formal education, I'm grateful that they taught me I could learn things. 
it, it always felt like it was my education. It was my responsibility. I think sometimes we just send kids such strange messages. We tell them, take responsibility for education, and we don't let them make any meaningful decisions about it at all. In fact, some of the projects you mentioned you want to do now involve young people in rural communities. What do you want people to know? So rural kids are way less likely to graduate from college. They're way more likely to take on debt for a degree they don't finish. Even when they do finish, they tend to take, just on average, twice as long. That used to be fine because people could do what their parents did and you could be a farmer and it was a good life. But large farms are are taking over. A lot of these kids now have to try to function in an urban environment and they have to function in a global economy and they have to function in a technological economy. And education is a key to that. You know, for some people, education is self-determination. Uh, and that's what it was for me. And for other people, it's like predetermination. And it's it's something that keeps them down. It's like the difference of education being a ladder or being a fence. And I think it has a lot to do with our politics and why certain segments of the population feel left behind. And Mormonism gets criticized quite a lot. People say it's a cult. And, I, and I'm not Mormon anymore, so I don't really have a dog in this fight. But I, I think of a cult as anything that maintains ideological purity by ostracizing members who depart from that purity. And I did experience more of that at Harvard and Cambridge than I did at BYU. I, I did feel like there was a more of a culture of not being able to depart from the rules of what it's okay to say. Uh, and that's not to say that I think if someone is expressing a racist view that we all have to just pretend like it's fine. I think you should absolutely attack the idea. But I think we need to stop attacking the, the people I've had every kind of appalling view that you can imagine. I've had sexist views, I've had racist views, I've had homophobic views. And the only way that I was able to change my mind is that people let me express my beliefs and they gave me an opportunity to hear myself say the words. And having that experience, I learned I never wanted to say those words again, actually. They weren't really my words, they came from somewhere else. I'm just not sure there's a real point to smugly kind of saying, well, I'm very educated and then these people are very ignorant and I'm better because I, I kind of just think if you had their life, you probably would have their views. I, I, I think that. Maybe I have to think that because I did have that life and I did have those views. You know, education, I really believe, is a privilege. It cannot be allowed to putrefy into arrogance. And, and we always need to be attacking the bigotry and the prejudice. But I don't think we should be attacking people for not having an education that there's no way they could possibly have had. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see Earlier, during Linda Henry's salon, Linda asked Tara to sing some of the music that helped her survive her survivalist family. Thy power throughout the universe displayed. After Tara's talk, I was so taken by how many of these women, these college presidents, heads of foundations, came up to Tara. Some grew up in other extreme faiths, but all identified with her story. Were you surprised? I was really surprised. I I thought when I wrote the book, this will do really great with, like, Little girls who never went to school, who worked in junkyards, you know, it's like a small audience. Uh, And um, I mean, I love it when people come up to me and say, I basically had your exact same life. But I also really love it when someone says, yeah, I was the oldest child of a prominent doctor on the Upper East Side. And this made me feel seen. I mean, especially because I write about estrangement. That 
that I wished I'd had, which was just the ability to see what someone else had done. I found there was almost no one willing to talk about it because there's such stigma around it. And, and I, I don't blame them. I, I remember feeling like, how can I even, like, how can I even believe that I'm a good person? If I know that my mother doesn't believe I'm a good person, that stigma, that, that sense is so strong that I think, of course, you never want to tell anybody about it. But the result is everybody's going through it. A lot of people are anyway, and they feel really alone. Tara Westover, her 2018 bestseller is Educated. She says she may title her next book, Estrangement. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Lisa. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Visit lisa.com to learn more. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com. This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify, the global commerce platform that helps you sell and show up exactly the way you want to. Customize your online store to your style. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. These days, news comes at you fast. But the truth? Getting there takes time. There's something that hasn't been disclosed yet. Embedded is a podcast that takes the time to look beyond the headlines. How how did this happen? How did we get here? With original documentary storytelling. Listen to NPR's Embedded wherever you get your podcasts.